begin with For the Beauty of the Earth, number 120, in voices together. to worship and a special welcome to those of you who are uh, joining us through live stream or the recording. The Spirit of God invites all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, Oji Cree, Dene, Adenashane, and Anishinaabe. May we steward the gifts of this land and love the people who dwell on it. This morning, uh, you can take your bulletins, you can read through a bunch of different things there, lots of information uh, for the upcoming weeks and uh, information that's there. Um, I invite Dennis to come up uh, to talk about uh, today and next week. And uh, while he's coming up, just a reminder of Pick Up and Walk happening May 7th. That's a Saturday. There's a sign up in the back. Okay, just a quick reminder of our first of a pair of adult formation sessions that will uh, begin today. Uh, two things about it. Well, you see in your bulletin, the topic is how to have uh, difficult conversations uh, with two uh, guests from MCC Manitoba. 
Uh, two things. We're going to start as promptly as possible at 11 o'clock. So uh, as soon as you hear the bell, uh, please come, into, come back into the sanctuary. Secondly, it is a workshop, uh, so there will be practical exercises. Uh, okay, thirdly, <laughs> it, it will be an hour and a half. Okay, so be prepared for from 11 o'clock to 12.30. That's it. Thank you. See you in a bit. Come, people of God, and worship the Lord, for you have been given mercy and grace. Come, people of God, and praise the name of Jesus, for you have been given eternal life. Come, people of God, and receive the Spirit's blessing, for you have been given the privilege of sowing seeds for the reign of God. Let's sing together. We'll be singing number 175 from Voices Together, Planets Humming as They Wander. to see ourselves and each other as earthen vessels that hold God's presence and bring God's gifts to the world, so too this world and all that, it is above, all that is above, around, and within it are earthen vessels, just as easily shattered, just as much in need of our loving attentiveness and support. May our hands align with God's in caressing and shaping these vessels. 
invite us into a time of prayer. I'll give, I'll give a, a prompt for the prayer and then say, let us pray. And I'll give a moment of silence to pray for that. And then we'll move to the next prompt. For trees, plants, crops, and forests, let us pray. For water, oceans, rivers, streams, and ponds, let us pray. For air, wind, climate, and weather, let us pray. For sun, clean energy, and the prevention of global warming, let us pray. For animals, especially endangered ones, let us pray. For all humankind, let us pray. For recycling and moderate personal consumption, let us pray. For proper use of chemicals and disposal of toxic waste, let us pray. For earth and unity, let us pray. Creator God, we thank you for all of creation. We ask your forgiveness where we have failed to be just stewards. And we now ask for your guidance in restoring the face of the earth. May we live, learn to live in harmony, safety, and just sharing of resources among all so that we achieve the kingdom of God. Peace be to this community. Peace to this land. Peace be to all people. Amen. I would like all the children who would like to come up for um, Children's Church to come now, if they would. Oh, not Children's Church, sorry, time with the children. There's no Children's Church today. Um, you guys can come and have a seat here. I've never said it before, but if anybody else wants to join them on the floor, you're very welcome. Come on up, everybody. Why don't you come a little closer here, move on in. We are going to be doing something today that some of you remember. Um, <clears throat> it's called, what's it called? No. Milo. Your dad said today that there's something you didn't even remember. What, what are we? Coins count. Do any of you remember coins count? Put up your hands. Do any in the congregation remember coins count? Put up your hands. That was a long time ago. Today we are going to doing coins count, which means you are going to take an offering 
which means you're going to collect money, you're going to collect it, but I'm going to tell you what it all means. We are going to collect coins. Does anybody know what that is? Yes? A coin? What kind of coin? Yes. Oh, nope, not a loony. It's a? Yes, toonie. So it's two loonies, okay? So people can put in a loony or a toonie, right? They can put in other things too. So you're there, you are going to collect these coins in this bucket today. Now, once you collect this, we're going to put them all into here. After you come back, we're going to go down all the aisles and we're going to collect them and we're going to put them in here, okay? Now, why do you think we would do that? Because this is, oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Why do you think? Collect money for people who need it. And particularly, if we look here, in what kind of way do you think they might need it? Somebody else. Anybody want to? Yes, Evan. Food. Food. Okay. So, we're going to collect coins. This is a toonie, right? You know what? If we collect these, our government, being very kind in this way, says we are going to include that. We're going to change it by making it four more. So, suddenly, one becomes how many? Five. Right? One and four? Five. Now, somebody in our church just gave us a phone call. You know what they said? They said that up to a certain amount of money, they are going to add again. So all of a sudden you got five and you put on some more. And how many do you have now? Ten. Ten. Right. Maybe I should have said more and then they would have been had to do even more. Right? Yeah, they, they said they're going to match it, which means if you have four, you give four more. So all of that is going to be put into here. Okay. And then what's going to happen is it's going to be used because they're going to take all that money and they are going to do this. They're going to give it to farmers so they can grow fields of crops, which they're going to harvest. Now, what do you see in those plants? What do they look like? Anybody know? Want to come around there and take a quick look? What are they? What do these look like? Tomatoes. What do those look like? Peppers. Very good. You guys are good. And you know what? The farmers probably won't grow tomatoes and peppers, but they're going to grow all kind of crops, and then they're going to harvest them, and they're going to sell them and then that's going to turn into more coins. And then that is going to be sent to people in different countries who are not, what we're going to say, food secure. They don't have enough food. And what are they going to have then? Food. Bread. Yeah, so... Even you know what peppers and tomatoes are. You do. So it's going to turn from coins that we collect. That's going to grow Farmers are going to grow their crops. That's going to be sold, and there's going to be even more, and then it's going to turn into food that can go to people who are food insecure, which means they don't have enough food. Okay? So you guys are going to be doing that for the next four weeks, so you better come to church every week so we can collect coins, because if we don't collect coins, this doesn't happen. So I want all of you now, we're going to do something. Okay, we've got this here. We're going to put this off to the side, and maybe one of you bigger ones, older ones, can come and hold that. Okay, everybody take a cup. Can you do that? Okay, everybody grab a cup. Okay, grab a cup. Okay, let's do that. You, you want to divide that one up there, Zach? Oh, you want to divide that up there? Need two of them? Oh, or, is there, or is that two of them? Okay, let's keep handing. Is there two there? Let's do that. Grab two. Okay, how's that? Oh, yes, you can. There you go. There you go. 
Who else needs one here, you guys? Okay, now, just wait. Don't, and nobody goes anywhere yet. We are going to sing a song with the congregation while you're going to go down all the aisles, and a few of you can go here and there. And then Kyle's going to be there. And then after you've collected the coins, you come back to where Kyle is, and we're going to pour them all into that bin. So everybody just stop for a moment, okay? Last time we tried this, I did not get the chords right for like four weeks. So I've been practicing. And I'll ask Tim to put it up there now. The congregation's going to sing while you guys collect this. So as soon as we start singing, away you go into all the aisles and people are going to give you coins. And if they don't, you just stand there till they do. <laughs> I'm joking, okay? But you go see if they have coins, okay? And they're going to put them into your buckets and then you come back and you're going to give them to Kyle, okay? So away you go, everybody, into the congregation. We're going to start to sing. I think most of you remember this. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. Coins count. God will make a difference in the world. Okay, now next slide. If we look around, there are people that we see. Needing food and water and a chance to live in peace. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. God will make a difference in the world. Enid also told me that I was supposed to do it slow, so that's why we're doing it slow. Gifts that we are given, they are given to be shared. Doesn't matter if they're big or small, if used with care. My coins count, my coins count. Given in my pocket, they could be doing good. My coins count, my coins count. God will make a difference in the world. When we work together, there's a lot we can achieve. Witnessing to others what we live, what we believe, won't make a difference in the world. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when it could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. God will make a difference in the world. My coins count. My coins count. Sitting in my pocket when they could be doing good. My coins count. My coins count. God will make a difference in the world. And besides collecting the coins here, I just want to let you know, I think anyway it works, that you can probably do this um, e-transferring or any other way that you would like to digitally as we've been giving um, offerings different way in the past years. I have to probably um, clarify that with Phil, but um, glad to receive your coins in whatever way they come. My dear son, you can go to your Nana. <laughs> All right, um, this song, It Was Good. Uh, I set this scripture to music a couple of years ago. Now that we are singing about
creation, I found it was a good opportunity. Oh, 
Thank you. We'll be sitting in silence for a few minutes as we together uh, join in contemplative prayer, the, a very familiar prayer that we have used before, the Be Still Prayer. So if you're able, I invite you to put your feet flat on the floor, sit up, put your hands on your lap as if you're receiving a gift, and let's pray. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Amen.
hear this portion of the story of God found in the prophet Isaiah. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, give you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowering spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Oh, the irony of preaching about climate change on the coldest April of my lifetime. Good thing we know the difference between weather and climate here, right friends? So first of all, let's talk about why we're doing this. Climate scientists, hello Lily, that's going to be a problem. Climate scientist and evangelical Christian Dr. Catherine Hayhoe was our guest speaker last year, and she is one of the best scientists to help me understand climate change and its effect on the world. And so let's get her to start us off this morning. She's not here in person, although I'm trying to get her here in person one day. The year matters. Every action matters and every choice matters. The most important thing an individual can do is not be such an individual. What does that mean? It means we need to engage with each other. And how do we engage with each other? We use our voice to say, hey, what is our university doing? We need to be doing more. What is our city doing? We could be doing more. Because we are confronting two crises. There's the biodiversity crisis, which supports all life on Earth, and the climate crisis, and they are interacting with and affecting each other. It's not about saving the planet. It is about saving us, us living things, all of us living things that live on this planet. That is what is at risk. If you're a living thing, living on planet Earth, which you are and I am and everybody listening is, then that means we already have every reason we need to care. So it's not about saving the planet. The planet's going to do what the planet's going to do. It's been around before we were here, and it'll be around after we're here. But right now, it's about saving us, about life on this planet, about not only what kind of world we're going to give our children and grandchildren, but also about how the world's vulnerable are going to suffer exponentially worse effects, both in the future and right now. For example, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change uh, says that with the current warming trends we're on, and you can see the front of your bulletins, that's not the Dow Jones, that's not the stock returns. Um, by 2030, about 250 million people may experience high water stress in Africa, with up to 700 million people being displaced as a result. So there are 1.5 billion people in Africa, and so that means half the continent 
is in water trouble. Half. So not only does that mean that next year our coins count will turn into bills count, because we are going to have to pay for this somehow to dig more wells, <laughs> but it also means that there are going to be millions of people looking for new homes. And we can add those millions on top of the millions of Ukrainians looking for new homes, which are already on top of the millions of Syrians and Afghanis looking for new homes. But they won't be able to settle, settle in Lytton, B.C., because after last year's heat dome in B.C. that saw temperatures get up to 50 degrees Celsius, the entire town burnt down. And any climate refugees probably won't be able to or shouldn't settle in California because their current winter snowpack is 38% normal, one of the lowest levels in 70 years. And this goes on. This week there was floods in South Africa that had never happened before. So this goes on and on and on. We have ourselves a problem, a big problem. Hence why our church conference, Benoni Church Canada, which is us, they have officially declared a climate emergency. And here's what they say. Climate scientists have been sounding the call for decades. In recent years, their call has turned to a ringing alarm. We must act. We must act together. And we must act urgently. We do not want to see massive suffering and death. Already, we are experiencing the effects of a warming climate caused primarily by human activity. An increase in extreme weather events leading to droughts and fires and floods. As is, as is always the case in these catastrophes, it is those most vulnerable to harm, fragile ecosystems, and impoverished peoples who bear the brunt of suffering and death. And so it's with this in mind that in February, Mennonite Church Manitoba's executive director, Michael Paul, he preached here in the fall, I think, or winter, sometime, he, he asked me to throw together a video of our two, for our church's annual delegate session when all of Mennonite Church Manitoba gets together. He said, can you put a video together about your little tree planting project that, that you at Grace did last year? And so here's a video that I put together for our conference. Hi, it's uh, Kyle Penner from Grace Mennonite Church in Steinbach here. Every April, we try to talk about something earthy around Earth Day. And so last April, we decided to talk about climate change, uh, which is a pretty depressing topic, actually, especially in the middle of a depressing pandemic. And so we did, uh, we made two choices to try to make it a little less depressing. Uh, the first one is, is that one of our guest speakers was Catherine Hayhoe. She is one of the most optimistic, hopeful speakers. And so we borrowed some of her videos that she's made to talk about the church and climate change. And the second thing we did was that we really wanted to give people a hands-on, applicable, practical, pragmatic approach to this. And so we started uh, planting trees. We let people commit to planting trees on their own property. And we got about 20 of those. And then we also took some money. And we used some of the money to plant on our church property. We already have a garden for food security and a bonfire for COVID meetings and a uh, prayer labyrinth. And so now we added about 22 trees to that. We also have about four local landowners who said, hey, we got land, bring us the trees. So we bought about 350 little native species of trees and planted those all over their properties. And then finally, we also said we wanted to do something globally. And so all of our leftover money, we sent to MCC's work in Haiti doing reforestation projects. Which we also got Simone Thiessen from MCC to explain a little bit about what climate change looks like for their work and some of the their things that they are doing to mitigate the risks to vulnerable populations around the world. So in the end, we planted about 400, 450 trees locally and sent about $3,000 to MCC in Haiti. We know that in the big picture of things, our actions are just a 
little small drop in the bucket, but we believe that if we keep talking about it, and if we keep doing practical actions full of hope, such as planting trees here and abroad, then we are maybe doing what God wants us to do in trying to take care of this planet and make sure that all of humans around the whole world can thrive. And here's hoping our new trees that we planted over there uh, don't drown in this spring, because it's looking like they'll be in water a little bit longer. But after that video was played, somebody from our church conference's climate action working group emailed me, and she wanted to know about our tree planting project. And she said to me, I'm talking with a few churches who are not really ready to openly address climate change as a thing. And I realize there's a lot of journeying required to get there. And so she asked if she could share that little video with them. And I said, sure, because honestly, I think tree planting is a great intro to addressing climate change because trees remove carbon from the atmosphere. We can all do it. And no matter what you think about climate change or where you fit on the political spectrum, we all love planting trees. Nobody gets mad at planting trees. But as we kept talking about climate change and trees, I, I let my dark, cynical side rise up and take over. See... The person I was talking to had just spent a cold Friday afternoon sitting in front of her MP's office. And protesters got a bad name these days. They did go home after the day, I promise that. But they were advocating two things, that we lower our carbon emissions and that we ensure a just transition for people working in the oil and gas industry because nobody really wants to lay off thousands of workers and say, well, tough nuts to you. Have fun on EI. And I had just seen this picture of her on Facebook standing faithfully in front of her MP's office in the cold. And so I asked, do you like pushing rocks up a hill? (laughs) Are you a sucker for punishment? Because your efforts there aren't going to make a difference. Now, part of me said that because I know who her MP is, and it's probably not on their top three things they're worried about. But I also said it because I had just seen this. A recent survey shows 74% of Canadians across all age brackets, all 18 to 100, think that climate change is a serious threat or a very serious threat. And so thus, every political party in Canada who wants to have a chance of winning has to have a plan to address climate change. And so I told my friend that a few people standing in front of their MP office with a sign or two isn't going to make a difference when 25 million Canadians already know that climate change is a threat. The biblical term for what she said to me is she gave me an admonishment, which is a firm warming or reprimand. And, but the common phrase for what she said to me, it could be translated as she kicked my butt. She said... I didn't stand in front of my MP's office because I know it'll make a difference. I'm hoping it will, but I have realistic expectations. I stood in front of my MP's office because it was me being faithful to how I see God working in this world, God's call to help the vulnerable, and what I believe God is calling our church to do. And those of you who know me know just how much I love to eat humble pie. Which serves as a good transition to an ongoing disagreement that Mel and I have been having for about 12 years now. And that disagreement is about whether or not our individual actions matter in regards to climate change. So for those of you who don't know, Mel bikes to work. Always. All winter. It's a blizzard. Mel bikes. It's minus 40. Mel bikes. It's January or April. (laughs) Mel bikes. Enid is not working for the day, so the car is available, and up bikes Mel to work. To which I always say, you biked today, Mel. 
you're nuts. I'm, I'm a really supportive coworker. And then he smiles. And then I, before he can say anything, I chime in, too bad all your efforts to use less fossil fuels aren't actually making a difference. See, like many of you, um, I read some things on Facebook and Twitter. And over the past two years, I've become an expert epidemiologist on pandemics and infectious diseases. And on the same theme, I, like many of you, have read some things on Facebook and Twitter, and now we are all experts on wartime logistics, specifically between Russia and Ukraine. And one of the things that I learned in my expertise now is I now know the, the gas mileage on a tank. Turn to your person beside you and take a guess how, what the gas mileage on a tank is. Go ahead. I'll give you 10 seconds to take a stab in the dark. <laughs> we have no clue, do we? That's why we have Twitter. I asked my father-in-law to take a guess yesterday, and he's like, oh, it's probably pretty bad. Is it like three, three, mile, three, three miles to the gallon? And I was like, you're close, but it's actually three gallons to the mile. Like to drive a tank round trip from my house one mile away that way to church would take 24 liters of fuel Times that by all the tanks we see driving around Ukraine, and the environmentalist in me loves that they're one-way trips, and the pacifist hates it all. So, but 20, this fuel is nuts, let alone the planes and the ships. And so thus, Mel biking to work is meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Sorry, Mel. And sorry, California, for your water shortage, but we as humans just have to drive our tanks around. And if we don't have enough tanks, they're going to build some first, so we better make sure we have more than them to drive around. Okay, one more practical but also a challenge where I'm going to risk offending more than a few of us here. Related to the tanks, there is a direct correlation between how rich we humans are, and how much fossil fuels we burn. And this is true both on a collective country scale, like we as Canadians, but it is also true on an individual scale. For those of us with more money in our lives than less, we tend to buy bigger houses and bigger cars and own multiple homes and extra snowmobiles and we travel more. Plus, our armies tend to have more tanks. The average Canadian burns about 14 to 15 tons of greenhouse gases per person per year versus an average of four tons per person around the world. We are three to four times bigger contributors to greenhouse gases and global warming than the world average. And so because we burn the most fossil fuels with simply how we live, we really do bear a greater responsibility for climate change. Like, we did this. And because, though, that we have the most disposable income available to us, it is we who spend, who buy Honda Pilots instead of Honda Civics. It is we who travel the most. It is we who have bigger investment counts. But because of this, we also have the greater opportunity to do something about climate change because we can actually afford it. I just don't think that we want to. Do any of us really want to travel less? I don't. 
Do any of us want to spend more money for a smaller or hybrid or electric car? No. Do any of us want to spend thousands of dollars replacing our natural gas furnaces with electric furnaces? No. Do we want to take a theoretical 1% to 2% lower return on our investments to ensure that they are fossil fuel free? No. And every single financial advisor will advise you against that. Why? Because they get paid a percentage of how much money you have. So they want you to have more money too. And really, how many of us want to bike in winter? It's cold. I think that many of us can afford all these things. I just don't think that we want to spend the money to do them. Which, it's a good thing that our individual actions don't make a difference, right? And if any of us are feeling a tad bit guilty, don't worry, Catherine Hayhoe has a story for us. She says, I was at a meeting in a church in Texas brainstorming ideas about climate action. And mid-meeting, one of the participants leaned in and said, all these ideas are really well and all, but the real problem is sin. Every time you turn on your car, you are sinning. That is the message we need to share. And Catherine says, my reaction was so visceral, I can still feel its echo today. Oh, really? I thought. So how did you get to this meeting? Did you bike in winter? Oh, it's Texas. Did you, did you bike? And are you saying that this meeting is a sin? And then she says, the more I thought, the angrier I got. I live in an area with no access to public transportation, like Steinbeck. And so when I take my child to the doctor, as any caring mother would, am I sinning? When I go to work, as any conscientious teacher would, am I sinning? When I drive to church, as any devout Christian would, am I sinning? Did we all sin to come here today? He'd meant for what he said to be motivating, but it actually had the exact opposite effect on me. I felt judged for doing what I thought was good, and it made me defensive and angry. Why do we hasten guilt on others and ourselves when we do what we perceive, this is still her words, when we do what we perceive to be wrong, we feel bad, and when we do what's right and good in our eyes, we feel good. When we judge others and put them down, we feel even better because we are righteous and they are not. And so when others attempt to impose their value system on us, we understand fundamentally that it is actually often about making themselves feel better at our expense. Shaming is a zero-sum game. One person only wins at the expense of another, which is probably what's going to happen. We'll talk about during our hard conversations because seminar after. Guilt and shame don't actually work, even though that's primarily been our tools for the past two years in this pandemic. I'm right and you're stupid. So what's better than guilt and shame? I like hope. And here's what gives me hope. As I've said, 75% of Canadians already believe that climate change is a threat. The time for awareness is wrapping up. That gives me hope. What gives me hope is Mel had a stories with seniors time on Thursday on Zoom and they all talked about climate change and despite that they will not be here or you will not be here for the worst effects of it, treading gently, um, you still cared. You cared for yourselves and for your kids and for your grandkids and for the most vulnerable. That gives me hope. What gives me hope also is that we know how to lower our emissions. 
There are people smarter than all of us here who say, here's the plan to get out of this. And two of the biggest things that we can do is to stop burning oil and gas for electricity and electrify everything as fast as possible. It is doable. We have literally built power plants and pipelines and we pull gas from the bottom of the ocean and then we ship it everywhere to refineries and ship it again to gas stations on every street corner and we put the gas in our cars and little explosions help us drive to church. Like, we can figure this out, people. That gives me hope. That's good news. What also gives me hope is that science says it's not too late to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. The worst thing we can do is say it doesn't matter so we don't do anything at all. Eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. That is not true. Yes, some of the negative effects are baked in from the past century of burning fossil fuels. And we have some hard work ahead of us, but it is not game over. We are not helpless. We really can change the future. And so what we do right now actually matters. And that is good news, isn't it? And thus, humble pie again for me, Mel's line of thinking about how biking in winter affects climate change might actually be more true than my cynicism. Why? Because every action counts. Because small actions lead to bigger actions. Because small actions are inspiring and contagious. We talk about what we're doing and we can share our ideas and ask each other questions. Although I do have to admit that many more of you have asked me the question, how does your electric car hold up in winter? Than have asked Mel, how does biking to work hold up in winter? The answer to both those questions is very doable. <laughs> and every small action lets us speak with greater integrity to larger issues. And so plus, small actions can simply be us being faithful to how we see God working in the world, God's call to help the vulnerable, and what God is calling our church to do. Amen. I invite you to sing number 180 in Voices Together. This is God's Wondrous World. I invite you to stand with us if you're able. For verse 2, we'll sing in unison. This is God's one. 
reminder to turn back here for formation as soon as you can and listen for the bell to ring. And now for the benediction. Lord, creator of all things, help guide our daily actions and thoughts to better become stewards of the earth. Guide us to act responsibly, care for the earth you gave us, and make wise choices in our everyday living. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.